number seventh ranked Cincinnati is going to be taking on UCF. Now, if you are a Cincinnati Bearcats fan, this is the game that you have had circled on your calendar ever before the season began back in the offseason. This is going to be the game that is going to decide if Cincinnati is going to have a discussion that can be made for why they should be the first group of five school in college football playoff history to be included in this upcoming year's college football playoffs. And the reason why I say that this is the most important game that Cincinnati will play all year is because UCF is the second most talented team in the American Athletic Conference. Now, that may sound a little bit weird to you guys because UCF is currently 5-2 and two right now. And they've lost to Memphis. They lost to Tulsa. But in all reality, UCF has the second most talented roster in the American. And the reason why UCF lost to Memphis and why they lost to Tulsa wasn't because of talent. It was because of, first of all, turnovers and penalties. They had a lot of penalties against Tulsa. Okay. And that cost them their game. Okay, they also had a couple of miscues against Memphis. UCF is a talented football team, but they're not disciplined. And sometimes they just come out a little bit unfocused. And when you look at Cincinnati, Cincinnati is a team that comes out focused. They're disciplined. And they had their struggles offensively early on in the season. Like, there were questions when it was concerning quarterback Desmond Riddler for Cincinnati. Should he be the starting quarterback for Cincinnati? But over the last couple of weeks, Desmond Riddler has picked up his game tremendously. And when you look at UCF, UCF is like the group of five version of Florida or Oklahoma. Okay, they play great offense, but defense is not existing. And for Cincinnati, they're a pretty balanced team overall. Okay, you have a pretty solid offense and you have the best defense. And all of all the schools in the group of five, Cincinnati has the best. And this may be the best group of five um, defense that I've seen in the history of group of five schools. Okay, Cincinnati's defense is that good. That's why they were able to blow out teams like Memphis. That's why they were able to blow out SMU a couple of weeks ago. Okay, both of those schools have great offenses. And Cincinnati was able to blow them out. Okay, so for UCF, this is a game that is winnable. Okay, because Cincinnati is only a six-point favorite heading into this game. And that shows you that Vegas does have some confidence in UCF's ability to win this game because of how talented they are. But just because you're the most talented team or you're one of the most talented teams doesn't always guarantee you a victory. And when you look at UCF, it's just that they have been really inconsistent in their losses. Meanwhile, for Cincinnati, I mean, this is a team that is rolling on all cylinders. So for UCF, you have a stud quarterback in Dylan Gabriel, who right now is putting up incredible numbers, 2,774 passing yards, 23 touchdowns to two interceptions. He is the best quarterback in the group of five. And he is the better quarterback heading into this game. So for Cincinnati, is Desmond Riddler going to be able to, if this game goes into shootout territory, is he going to be able to keep up with Dylan Gable? That is going to be the question that remains to be seen. Now, I know that Cincinnati's defense has been really good. They've shut down SMU. They shut down Memphis. But UCF's offense is a different animal, 
okay? UCF has NFL caliber football players at the wide receiver position, at the running back position. The question is going to be, how's their offensive line going to hold up? Because UCF's offensive line has been really inconsistent. They've had a lot of penalties. They had a lot of ups and downs so far this year. So Cincinnati is going to be able to take advantage of that. But if this game leans into shootout territory, this is a game that UCF is going to win. You see, when I look at Cincinnati, I think they are the equivalent to Georgia. Okay, Georgia is a team that likes to win games by their defense. They like to run the football. They like to keep games close, per se, even though Cincinnati has blown out every single team. But if Cincinnati gets into a one-possession game, they feel comfortable about that. But if you're Cincinnati and you're a Cincinnati fan and this game goes into a shootout territory, let's say this is a game that going into the full quarter is like 40 to 40. Both of these two teams have put up 40 points on each other. That's a game that favors UCF. UCF is equipped to handle games that are shootouts. Meanwhile, Cincinnati, not saying Cincinnati can't win games that are shootouts. I'm just saying that if this is a game that goes to the way of a shootout, I would take Cincinnati because I don't trust Desmond Riddler in a game like this that could go into a shootout. Now, if Cincinnati is able to beat down UCF from the jump and they get out to a big lead early on UCF, then they should win this game. And for UCF, if you want to win this game, you have to make sure that you never find yourself down by more than 10 points. Because if UCF gets down by more than 10 points, this game is over because you can't rely on UCF's defense to get a stop, and you can't rely on them to get a turnover neither. They can't stop the run, they can't get off the field on third down, and they can't stop the pass neither, and they're not great getting pressure on the quarterback. So for Cincinnati, if you're able to go into halftime with a 28-17 to 17 lead, then I think you already have this game won. Now, I'm not saying UCF can't come back. I'm just saying that it's really unlikely that UCF comes back from a deficit that big because their defense just isn't reliable. So for UCF, if you want to win this game, you have to be able to limit turnovers and you have to be able to limit penalties because for UCF, they're there from a talent standpoint. They can't compete with Cincinnati. They're just as good as Cincinnati from a talent standpoint, even though their defense isn't great. But like we've seen in the past, you can still win even though you don't have a great fence, i.e. look at Florida versus Georgia. All right. Just because you don't have a great defense doesn't mean you can't win in college football because in college football, we know that despite how great of a defense you may be, you have to be able to put points on the board. And for UCF, that is why they have a great chance to win this game. The question simply is going to come down to execution and are they going to be disciplined? Are they going to be able to limit the turnovers? Are they going to be able to limit penalties? All right. And another talking point of this game is going to be head coach Luke Fickle for Cincinnati. Now, South Carolina recently parted ways with former head coach Will Muschamp. And now that there is a head coach vacancy in South Carolina, Lou Fickle's name has came up in that discussion. Now, obviously, Hugh Freeze and Lou Fickle are going to be the two candidates that South Carolina fans are going to be salivating over. Now, I don't know if Hugh Freeze is going to end up getting that job because, first of all, he's going to have to be approved to get that job because of his past when he was the head coach of Ole Miss and all and everything that went on there, all the scandals and violations that went on. The question is going to be, would the SEC allow Hugh Freeze to be the head coach for South Carolina? So if you can't get Hugh Freeze, the next guy will be Luke Fickle. Now, if you're Luke Fickle, I'm be honest with you. I wouldn't take that South Carolina job. 
Because I don't think that South Carolina is a good fit for Luke Fickle. And the reason for that is because I think Luke Fickle it's just like, I don't think that South Carolina's program is all that appealing if you're Luke Fickle. Because if you're Luke Fickle, I think that if you were to leave Cincinnati and take that South Carolina job, you would be downgraded. Because Cincinnati is a better football program than what South Carolina is. And they are a better football program than what South Carolina has been over the last three, four years under Will Muschamp. So if you're Luke Fickle, the only reason I leave Cincinnati is is if Texas or USC has one of those jobs that becomes available, then I will leave, okay? Because you could go to Texas and you could win right away, all right? You may take one year to, you know, get things in order, but after year one, Texas should be rolling under Luke Fickle. Now, USC is more of a project. I think that's more of a two, three-year rebuild just because of how poorly Clay Helton has recruited that USC area in California, which I don't know how you managed to not be able to recruit well for USC, but nonetheless, those are the two jobs that I would leave Cincinnati for if I'm Luke Fickle. Anything other than that, I would stay at Cincinnati because Cincinnati is a better football program overall than what South Carolina is, and it doesn't matter how much money South Carolina may throw at you. Like, if you don't want a job, you don't want a job. The money doesn't mean anything. Like, you want to have a place that where the money is good and also you have a good chance to win. I don't really think that if you're Luke Fickle and you go to South Carolina, I don't really think you have a high ceiling there. Because it doesn't matter how good of a coach you are, I mean, eventually, if you go to a school like South Carolina, you do kind of have a little bit of a handicap there. Because South Carolina, at best, they will be 11-3, 10-win team. I don't really think that, regardless of how good of a coach Lou Fickle is, they will be to the level of an Alabama that they will be able to compete for a national championship. They may have a couple of years that they're going to be able to compete and win the SEC from time to time. But I think under Luke Fickle, if he was to go to South Carolina... He would be really limited there in terms of the potential of that South Carolina football program. Now, can he elevate them to that, le- that, that next level? Maybe, but I doubt it. That's, that is a reason why Dan Mullen left Mississippi State. I think Luke Fickle taking that job out of South Carolina would be the equivalent to when Dan Mullen was the head coach for Mississippi State, which is why he left Florida, because Mississippi State had a ceiling. So if you're Luke Fickle... I would stay at Cincinnati, and if you are a Cincinnati fan, I wouldn't be too concerned about losing Luke Fickle because at the end of the day, if you're Luke Fickle, I'm looking at these available coaching jobs, and really the only one that will really intrigue me is if that Texas or um, USC job was to open up. But for Cincinnati, will Desmond Riddler be able to remain consistent? Now, Desmond Riddler has been on a hot streak over the last couple of games, but he did start out this season a little bit slow. So for Desmond Riddler, if this game goes into a game that he is going to be in a shootout with Dylan Gabriel, he's going to have to be able to step up and rise to the occasion. And Cincinnati, they have a really good rushing offense. They are 12th in college football in rushing yards per game with 242.3 rushing yards per game that they average per game. And that is an important stat to watch because for Cincinnati, they should be able to run the ball, control time possession, and they should be able to win this game. So I'm going to take Cincinnati to get the victory I think they win this game 42 to 28. I think that UCF is going to put up some points, but overall, I just don't think that UCF's defense is going to be sustainable to the point that they're going to be able to stop Cincinnati. And Cincinnati's defense is good to the point, like, even if UCF does have an offensive explosion, I don't think that Cincinnati's defense is going to allow them to put up 
or allow UCF's offense to score 40 points. I think that Cincinnati's defense should be able to get a couple of key stops in this game if this game does lead to the direction of a shootout. And I don't think UCF's defense is going to be able to get any stops against Cincinnati's offense. So I'm taking Cincinnati to get the victory. 42-28 is my final score prediction in this game. I'm taking the Bearcats. Number ninth ranked Indiana is going to be going on the road to take on third ranked Ohio State. Now, who would have thought when it was announced that the Big Ten would be having the college football season and when the Big Ten schedule came out that Indiana and Ohio State would be the biggest game being played this season for the Big Ten. That's crazy. Only 2020, ladies and gentlemen, only 2020 something like this could happen. And let's be honest, there are a lot of people out there who did not expect Indiana to be this good. I didn't expect Indiana to be this good. Ohio State Buckeye fans didn't expect Indiana to be this good. And I'm pretty sure Indiana fans out there, if there are any, didn't expect Indiana to be this good. And if you are an Indiana fan, let it be known down in the comment section down below. Rep your university down in the comment section. Because I don't really know how many Indiana fans are out there. Okay, now I'm going to find out once I upload this video. But, I mean, last year when I made my Minnesota versus Penn State prediction, I was really surprised at the amount of Minnesota Gopher fans that were out there. And when you look at Indiana, they are coming into this game 4-0. This is the first time that Indiana has been 4-0 in Big Ten play since 1987. That is crazy. And what's even more crazy is that Indiana is currently ranked Number ninth, according to the top 25 AP poll. This is the highest AP ranking that Indiana has ever had since 1967. So, I want to have a fair and neutral preview of this game. Because there are going to be a lot of people who are going to come on here who are going to preview this game, and they're going to say... Indiana doesn't have a chance. Indiana's not good. Ohio State's going to beat them by 40. Okay, I want to come on here and give you guys a fair and thorough preview of this game. And I want to give you guys a fair perspective of how good both of these two teams are. In particular, Indiana. Okay, so a good portion of this video is going to be me breaking down this Indiana team. Because we already know how good Ohio State is, okay? But a lot of people don't really know how good Indiana is. A lot of people just think that Indiana is a team that is just in the situation they are because of 2020 and the college football season in the state that it is with games being canceled and things like that and that Indiana is fortunate to be in the spot that they are. And let me tell you something. Indiana... It's not fortunate to be in the spot that they are. As a matter of fact, Indiana deserves to be the ninth-ranked team in college football. A lot of people are going to come on here and say that Indiana hasn't played nobody. But, I mean, if you're going to say Indiana hasn't played nobody, then you got to use that same argument against Ohio State. Because we're going by Indiana's schedule. Ohio State hasn't played no good teams neither. Ohio State has played Penn State, who Penn State hasn't won a game. They play Rutgers. Okay, so, I mean, if you're going to say Indiana hasn't played nobody, you got to say the same thing about Ohio State. 
Another thing that's going to be said in this game is that Indiana isn't a great team. A lot of people are going to call Indiana overrated. Now, I've watched every single Indiana game going back to week one against Penn State. Okay? And I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys watching this, unless you're an Indiana fan, haven't even watched the half of Indiana Hoosiers football. And if you are telling me that you have, I would like to call you a liar. Let's be honest. Nobody is turning on the TV to watch Indiana play. As a matter of fact, I spent the last 27 hours of my life trying to find out every single game that Indiana has played and watching them from start to finish. That remind you that football games are three hours. So I've watched about 16 hours of Indiana Hoosiers football. So I have a pretty good understanding on how good this team is. And this team is not a fluke. This is a legitimate team, okay? And I'm not saying this just because I love the root for the underdog. Like, this is a really good team. On this channel, I give fair and unbiased opinions. And Indiana, if they lose this game, it's not going to be because they're a bad team. If they lose this game, it's going to be because in Indiana just isn't as good as Ohio State. Ohio State is just so much better than the rest of the teams in the Big Ten. That's why Ohio State is a 20.5-point favorite heading into this game. But one thing that I can confirm is that Indiana is no pushover. This is a pretty good team. And this coming from the same person that last year told everybody that Minnesota was legit. And everybody called me crazy and said I was an idiot and I had no business talking about college football ever again when I picked Minnesota to upset Penn State last year. And we saw how that turned out. So I recognize when a team is a legitimate contender, and Indiana is a legitimate contender inside the Big Ten. And one thing about Indiana that nobody's talking about is how good Indiana's secondary is. Indiana has the second best secondary in the Big Ten. You can make the argument that they have the best secondary in the Big Ten, but I think they have the second best secondary in the Big Ten. Jalen Williams is tied for the leading interceptions in the Big Ten with three. Tywan Mullen has two interceptions on the season. And there are five other players on this Indiana football defense that has an interception of their own. And Indiana is really good at forcing turnovers. They have one of the best turnover margins in college football. They don't turn the football over that much themselves, even though um, Michael Penix turned the football over twice against Michigan State. But overall, for the most part, He's been pretty smart with the football. But Indiana is a smart football team. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They don't really have a lot of big, costly penalties. So they're going to have to keep that up. If they want to be beat Ohio State, and I'll be honest with you, they're going to have to play a flawless game, and they're going to have to force Ohio State to make some mistakes. And that's going to be another question. Can Indiana force Justin Fields to make any mistakes? Because Justin Fields has been playing lights out. As a matter of fact, Justin Fields this season may be putting on one of the best single-season performances that we've seen out of Ohio State quarterback in a very, very long time, okay? And I'm pretty sure I wasn't alive the last time Ohio State had a quarterback this good as Justin Fields. But Justin Fields so far this season, 908 passing yards, 11 touchdowns, no interceptions. And what the scary thing is is that he doesn't even have to run. He has a great ability to run with the football. And he doesn't really have to. He is destroying teams by simply just standing in the pocket and throwing the football. That is what is scary. 
And you can make the argument and say that Justin Fields should be taking number one overall in next year's NFL draft over Trevor Lawrence. And that may sound crazy, but it's not crazy. That's how good Justin Fields has performed this season. Justin Fields, by the time the NFL draft rolls around, the gap could be closed between him and Trevor Lawrence, and it's just going to come down to which quarterback whoever's picking number one overall likes more, Lawrence or Fields. So for Indiana, they're going to have to force Justin Fields to turn the football over. And Michael Penix is going to have to ball out in this game. This is going to have to be the best game that he's played in his so far short career as a starting quarterback in Indiana. So far, since Penix has taken over as a starting QB for Indiana, he has a 9-1 record as a starter. His only loss as a starter came to Michigan State, which was in 2019. Now, so far this year, he has 1,070 passing yards, nine touchdowns, three interceptions, and he has completed 60.7% of his passes. Now, I think that there is a weakness that a lot of people aren't really pointing out about Ohio State, okay? And... That weakness is their secondary. And that's why I feel Indiana has a better chance to win this game than what a lot of people give them credit for, okay? Because Ohio State secondary has not been all that great. Their best cornerback in Sean Wade, who Sean Wade heading into the season was the best cornerback prospect by many draft experts and many analysts out there. He was supposed to be the best cornerback heading into the 2021 NFL Draft class. I remind you that he could have got drafted last year. And people didn't know if he was going to get drafted in the first round or earlier in the second round. And the reason for that is because people questioned his ability to be able to dominate out that outside cornerback position. And people were right about that criticism so far. So far, Sean Wade has struggled ever since he has taken over that outside cornerback spot. Okay, he's allowed three touchdowns. He hasn't really been all that great. And if you want to go back and you want a good example of how Sean Wade's season has been so far, go back and watch that Penn State game when I believe was number five put Sean Wade on his highlight reel. Not once, but twice. Twice Sean Wade got put on somebody's highlight reel by that one wide receiver for Penn State. And remind you that Sean Wade was supposed to be the best cornerback prospect heading into this season. So you look at this Ohio State secondary. I'm not saying that Ohio State secondary is bad, but I am saying that this is a secondary that is going to be matched up against one of the best wide receiving cores in the Big Ten, okay? Indiana has a really good group of wide receivers. And Indiana may have one of the balanced groups of wide receivers that you may see in college football. You see, a lot of college football teams, they either have fast, shifty guys who are like 5'10", 5'11". Yeah, you may have a couple of guys who are 6'2", here and there. Then you have a couple of other colleges who have nothing but big physical wide receivers like Iowa State, for example. But one thing about Indiana is that they have the perfect blend of both. They have guys who are fast guys in the slot mostly, and they have guys outside who are big and physical, okay? You have Watt Fowler, who is pretty much the slot wide receiver for Indiana. I think that he is their most talented wide receiver on their roster so far. He was second team all Big Ten in 2019. Then you have another great wide receiver for Indiana and Ty Farfogel, 
who is 6'2", 214 pounds, and was Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week last week against Michigan State when he caught 11 passes for 200 receiving yards and two touchdowns. So Indiana has the weapons to take advantage of a pretty questionable Ohio State secondary. Now, here is where my concern lies with Indiana in terms of how this offense is going to perform. I don't think that Indiana is that great up front. And a lot of people are calling Indiana this year's Minnesota. Indiana and Minnesota are a little bit different. I understand what people are getting that comparison from because Indiana's having a Cinderella season and Minnesota kind of came out of nowhere. But Minnesota's off the line is way, way better than Indiana's off the line. And that's not a knock against Indiana's off the line. I'm just saying that Minnesota's off the line is just superiorly better than what Indiana's off the line is. And that's where my concern lies because Indiana is not that great at running the football. As a matter of fact, they're only averaging three yards per carry. And that's why they don't win on first and second down that much. And here's another concern that I have about Indiana. I feel like Indiana has too many prayer balls. And what I mean by prayer balls, or let me, let me rephrase that, bailout plays. And when I say bailout plays, I'm saying it's third and long, and Michael Penix is just throwing the football up and praying to God that his wide receivers come down with it. That's what a lot of Indiana's offense has been so far this season. Literally, go back and watch that game against Michigan. That's a good example. Like, Michael Penix was literally just throwing the football up, and his wide receivers were coming down with it. It's like they were throwing alley-oops on the football field. Instead of throwing alley-oops with the basketball, they were using the football. And it's nothing wrong with that, you know? But at the end of the day, I still would like Indiana to be more efficient on offense because... Michael Penix can throw those jump balls all day, but eventually you're going to have a couple of those jump balls if you're facing a good defensive back that's going to end up getting picked off. He had an interception that he thrown against Michigan State last week when he was under the blitz. He was trying to make something happen, and he basically threw one of those bailout balls and ended up getting picked off. That was actually one of the first plays that took place during the game. So for Michael Penix... He has to be efficient, and Indiana has to be efficient on offense. I think they are too dependent on having those big plays. I think they're too dependent on having those bailout throws. And you're not going to beat Ohio State by having a lot of those big bailout throws. You're going to have to beat Ohio State by being efficient, going down the football field, and being methodical on offense. And the biggest question about Indiana in terms of can they win this game is going to be can they win on front on the line of scrimmage? Now, Ohio State is really good. They're stacked. I know they've lost a couple of guys up front to the NFL, but they bring in four and five-star guys every single year, so it's next man up. They're probably going to have another guy in the next two, or year, two three years or so that's going to be another top 10 pick that's going to be a great pass rusher. So if you're Indiana, can you win up front at the line of scrimmage? Because if Indiana can't win up front, this game is over, all right? We don't even need to see, you don't even need to watch this game if Indiana can't win up front. Because if you want to pull off the upset, you have to be able to win up front. You have to take care of the football and you can't commit a lot of penalties. And if Indiana can't win at the line of scrimmage, then they already lost the game. Because you're not going to beat Ohio State based on just having great players on the perimeter. All right? You have to be able to hold up up front. And I'm, this isn't just on the offensive side of the football. This is also on the defensive line as well. You got to get pressure on Justin Fields. 
I've yet to see the team this year make Justin Fields get rattled to the point like he has to bail out the pocket and run with the football. That's how confident Justin Fields has been when it comes to his ability to, to deliver the ball inside the pocket. And a lot of teams haven't been able to get a lot of consistent pressure on Justin Fields. So if you're Indiana, you got to get pressure on him. And the most important thing is going to be, aside from being able to dominate the line of scrimmage, is going to be Indiana needs to win on first and second down. They need to pick up big yardage on the early downs. They need to pick up at least four or five yards on first and second down. On first down, they need to pick up four yards. On second down, you need to put it on, you need to pick up three yards. And why that's so important is because when you face a team that is better than you from a talent standpoint, you need to put yourself in third and manageable situations. All right? So if Indiana is able to put themselves in third and manageable situations, they're going to increase their chances of being able to convert on third down and keep the drive alive. So the team I'm going to take to win this game, I'm going to take Ohio State to win. All right. Now, I don't have a problem choosing an underdog to win. Like I said earlier, I was one of the few people that chose Minnesota to beat Penn State last year. But I simply don't think Indiana is going to be able to beat Ohio State. I just think that, for one, Ohio State is just so much better than everybody else in the Big Ten. I feel really bad for Michigan fans because they are going to get absolutely destroyed by Ohio State. Ohio State just might put up 100 points on Michigan, and I'm not saying that to be funny. Like I seriously think that can happen, all right? So for Indiana, I also think that they don't run the football all that well enough to beat Ohio State. And I don't really think that they're that good up front to match up with the kind of skill and the kind of size and speed and athleticism Ohio State is going to be having on the opposite side of them up front. So I'm going to take Ohio State to win this game 38-20. to I think that Indiana comes out competitive out the gates, but I think that Ohio State pulls, pulls away in the second half of this game. So I'm going to take Ohio State 38-20 to to win this game. We have Oklahoma taking on Oklahoma State. Oklahoma is coming into this game 5-1, currently ranked 14th in the nation. Coming off a win last week against Kansas State, which they won that game 20-18. Now, here's what's really weird about Oklahoma State. And this just goes to show you how crazy and unpredictable 2020 is. In all my years watching college football, I've never remembered Oklahoma State's defense being better than their offense Oklahoma State for the first time in my lifetime is winning games because of their defense they have the best defense in the Big 12 and their offense has kind of struggled this year now last week they barely walked out with a victory against Kansas State because they were missing two of their best playmakers on offense Tylen Wallace sat out that game, one of the best wide receivers in college football, and Trooper Hubbard is banged up as well. Now, Tylen Wallace should be expected to play in this game. Trooper Hubbard is listed as questionable in this game. His status for this game is up in the air. But even despite missing two of their best players on offense in that game, they still were able to win that game because of defense. That's crazy. Who would have thought that Oklahoma State would be winning games because of how great their defense is. Normally, we're talking about how great Oklahoma State's offense is and talking about how bad their defense is. But their defense has been really good. There are a lot of players on this Oklahoma State defense that are going to be playing on Sunday. They have a really good defensive line. Their secondary is really good. 
So, I mean, Oklahoma State is stacked on defense. Meanwhile, you look at Oklahoma right now. Oklahoma is having a down year. They're currently 5-2, and two, ranked 18th in the nation, and they're coming off a dominating win against Kansas, 62-9. to nine. But let's be honest, who hasn't dominated Kansas? Now, when I say a down year, I say Oklahoma is having a down year, not because they're terrible, but because we're normally accustomed to seeing Oklahoma in the national championship picture, in the college football playoff conversation. Haven't really been able to talk about Oklahoma because they haven't really been in that conversation because they're 5-2, so their chances of making it to the playoffs are pretty much done. But for Oklahoma, I mean, there are a lot of college football fans out there that would like their down season to be what your down season is right now. I mean, Oklahoma is pretty much going to end up playing in a New Year's Six Bowl game, hopefully, and they're still going to end up having a really good year. Most fans would love their down year to be the down year that you're having right now. And the reason for Oklahoma having a down year has because has been because of their young quarterback, Spencer Rattler. You see, Spencer Rattler is a freshman quarterback, a redshirt freshman quarterback, and he has had his growing pains and he has had his struggles, his ups and downs this season. He's had some really good games. He's had some really bad performances. But over the last couple of weeks, he has really picked it up. He's been really good over the last couple of weeks for Oklahoma. And when you're Oklahoma, this is the first time under Leak and Rowley that he is developing his own quarterback. Because remember in the past, Oklahoma has had their quarterbacks come from the transfer portal. Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts. This year, this is really the first time that Lincoln Riley really has to develop his own quarterback, which is a good thing, okay? And Spencer Rattler is going to end up becoming a really good quarterback. I think Spencer Rattler is a mixture of Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield because he's really good throwing the football like Baker Mayfield was, but he also is able to run the football as well. Now, he's not as good as a runner as Kyler Murray was, but he can do some damage with his legs if he has to. So for Oklahoma, you're a seven-point favorite heading into this game. And the reason for that is because Oklahoma State, even though their defense has been great, there are a lot of big questions about their offense. And in college football, it doesn't matter how great of a defense you have, you still have to be able to put points on offense. Look at Georgia, for example. Georgia has this great defense, but their offense has held them back from winning the national championship over the last couple of years. And you have to be able to have a good offense if you want to be able to win a national championship. It doesn't matter how great of a defense you have if you don't have an offense that's able to put up 40 points or that's able to hold their own in the shootout. And for Oklahoma State, this is really odd that I'm about to ask this question, but is Oklahoma State going to be able to keep up with Oklahoma's offense? Now, that may sound really weird. Like, I'm even having a hard time um, uttering that out of my mouth because where have we ever had a question of Oklahoma State's offense. Like, one of the more consistent game things in life has always been death, puberty, and Oklahoma State having a great offense. Well, this year, that has changed. Oklahoma State's offense has been inconsistent this year. They're not great on third down. Um, They have one of the worst third down offenses in college football. They're 71st on offense and third down conversion percentage. They only convert on third down 38.89% of the time. That's not good. They were 415 on third down against Kansas State in their last matchup. And for 
them on offense, they're 60th in college football points per game. They're only scoring 28 points per game. They're 52nd in yards per game. Um, They're 42nd in running the football with 109 rushing yards per game. I think that's pretty solid. But they're 77th in college football in passing yards per game with 219. And their offensive line hasn't been great neither. They're lying almost three sacks per game. So Oklahoma State's offense hasn't been that good. And I understand that early on in the season, they had an injury to their starting quarterback. But even when he has played, I haven't really been all that impressed with Spencer Sanders' play this year. I think he's been fairly inconsistent. All right? And for Oklahoma, their defense isn't as bad as what it normally is. All right, their defense has kind of improved somewhat this season. Now, their defense still isn't great, but their defense is to the point like you can't rely on them to get a stop or two or get a big turnover to win the game for you in certain situations. So for Oklahoma State, if they're going to win this game, it's going to be because of how great this defense is. Now, the question is, is Spence Rattler going to continue his hot streak or is he going to show signs of the Spencer Rattler that we saw earlier this season looking like a freshman when he was turning the football over, kind of looking indecisive at times? And if Oklahoma State wants to win this game, it's going to be because of how great this defense is. This defense is going to have to have at least a turnover or two if they want to win this game. Because this offense is going to put up points, but it's not going to be to the magnitude that we're accustomed to seeing out of Oklahoma State. Like, Oklahoma State is probably going to put up 30, 28 points, maybe 30. But the chances of Oklahoma State hitting 40 points in this game, I don't really have a lot of confidence in. And I know Oklahoma's defense isn't that great, but Oklahoma State's offense isn't that great neither. And I don't think Oklahoma's defense is bad to the point that it's going to make Oklahoma State's offense look like a great offense. All right, because they've had their fair share of struggles, and we don't know the status of Chuba Hubbard going into this game. And the passing game for Oklahoma State has been pretty inconsistent. And even then, even despite not having their best players on a good year when Oklahoma State is normally rolling on offense, they still would put up 40 points against a school like Kansas. So for me, I have concerns about Oklahoma State being able to keep up with Oklahoma if this game heads into a shootout territory. If this game comes down to a shootout, I don't really have a lot of confidence in Oklahoma State's offense. And I know they got into a shootout a couple of weeks against Texas. That game went into overtime, but Texas prevailed in that game, all right? And really, that is a game that Oklahoma State should have won, but they didn't because they turned the football over a good amount of times. And any time you turn the football over, the amount of times that Oklahoma State did against Texas, you're going to win. Well, you're going to lose more time than not. So for Oklahoma State, I don't really trust their offense in this game. All right? But I don't really have a lot of confidence in Oklahoma's defense neither. But I'm still going to side with Oklahoma to pull off the victory. I'm going to say Oklahoma wins this game 45-38 to is my final score prediction in this game. Oklahoma's going to put up points. Will they put up 40 points? I don't really think so. Now, I think they do put up 38 points. They come close to putting up 40. But I think that Oklahoma is going to prevail in the end. I think that Spencer Rattler is going to have a really good game. And that I think that Oklahoma isn't really going to have a game that they're going to be able to get those key stops that they are accustomed to having on defense because Oklahoma pretty much has the best offense in the Big 12. And this is the best offense that Oklahoma State has played so far this season. Now, this defense is going to be able to hold their own. 
they are going to get a couple of stops, but is the offense going to be able to take advantage of those stops that the defense gives them? I don't really know. A lot of inconsistency from Spencer Sanders, and I don't really trust Oklahoma State's offense. And I know they got into a shootout against Texas, but that's Texas. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma is better than Texas. So for me, I got to take Oklahoma to win this game. So 